This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. While we were singing a while ago, the Lord spoke to me and he said, he said, Brian, tell the people, the, the church this. This is from God. I felt God say, tell the people this. I want you to say to me, the Lord, that you have my heart. I don't want this world anymore. I felt like God was asking people today to say to him, Lord, you have my heart. I don't want this world anymore. But you're all that I want, Lord. And then the Lord said, draw near to me and I promise I'll draw near to you. And I will fill the space and the void in your heart. This is what the Lord says. So right now, if that speaks to you, if that speaks to you, where you've had one foot in the world and one foot with God, and you've been thinking about surrendering your heart to the Lord and being a follower of Christ, but you just haven't made that full commitment. Who says today that I want to make that full commitment, that this is speaking to me? This is speaking to me today. Who's saying this is speaking to me today? Then bow your head and say this, Lord, I want you to know that you have my heart. I don't want this world anymore. All I want is you, Lord. All I want is you, Lord. All I need is you, Lord. The Lord says, draw near to me. Draw near to me. Draw near to me today. And I promise you, says the Lord. I promise you, says the Lord, that I will fill the emptiness and the void and the space in your heart. Thank you, Lord. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around. Lift your hands up. If you prayed that prayer, I just want to know so I can keep you in prayer. If you prayed that prayer, lift your hands up. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Amen. Father, amen. I see those hands setting down back there, about 15 or 20 hands. This morning when I was praying, I felt God say that he was going to touch people in a special way. And that he was going to make you bold for him. He was going to make you a bold follower of Christ and not a, a, a wimpy one. And, and I felt God say that at the end of this service, I feel like I want to tell you ahead of time. Billy Graham said, always tell them what you're going to do at the end in the beginning so they can be thinking about it. But I felt the Lord say that at the end of the service today, the people that prayed that prayer, I feel like that you're supposed to make a step to the front. And I felt like the Lord said this. I felt like He said this. He said, I want you to be bold in this world. And if you can be bold, it, it, it's, if it's hard to be bold in the house of God, it's even going to be harder outside of the church. And I felt like the Lord said that, that if you can make that step of boldness today at the end of, of the service, that it's going to make you stronger when you go outside these doors. If you're new and this is the first time you've been here, you don't know me very well. And you can't really um, gauge my heart or 
kind of know where I'm coming from. What's this guy doing? But if you know me, I don't play around with stuff like that. And I believe that God's really doing that. And if that's the case, then something really spectacular is going to happen in your life today. Amen. We love you. Before you're seated, just say, Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're already doing in this service. Amen. We, we at Church on the Rock, we don't believe in just having a religious activity and just playing church. We believe that, that we can encounter a living God every Sunday. And Lord, today, people have encountered a living God today. And, and Lord, I, I thank you that your word is alive. And we're going to open the Bible and we're going to read it and we're going to study it today. And Lord, I pray that it would be life in hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you're seated. You know, this is God's house. He's, he's doing what He wants to do today. And, um, you know, I grew up, uh, I grew up uh, Methodist, and my brother and dad are both Methodist pastors. And uh, sometimes services like this might be a little different than what you grew up in. But actually, thank you, Josh. My dad's services, they're just like ours uh, that we're having here today. But guys, we need in this, in this generation, in the church world of today, and, and in the United States, we need an encounter with God. Religion and playing church just doesn't cut it. And, uh, and, I, and I know that God's doing that today. Uh, if you have your cell phones, um, somebody said last week, they said, man, I've never been to a church where they said, Get on your cell phone. Just don't play Angry Birds, all right? <laughs> Get on your cell phone, but not on Angry Birds. But uh, pull your cell phone out. If you go to UVersion, um, you can go into events, and Church on the Rock will pop up. If you have UVersion, Church on the Rock will pop up. You can double-click that, and then you can have notes, and you can write in, and you can take these with us. If not, there's an insert with the bulletin that you can follow along. You know, words according to the Bible... We're in a series called Words, Words, the importance of words. If I didn't know what the scripture said here, I wouldn't believe that words were so important. If I hadn't studied and looked at this, I'd be like, are words really that important? But according to the Bible, words have the power of life or death. Until you value words, I believe we don't really value life. The Bible says death and life in Proverbs 18.21 are in the power of the tongue. And the Message Bible said words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. And then he said, you choose which one you want that to be. But my heart for going into this series is I pray to the Lord daily. This series has probably impacted me more than any series I've preached in a couple years. Uh, so when I preach, um, it, it, this is for me too. But I've made my prayer to be Psalms 19.14. Uh, I'm finding myself stopping the, in my tracks. My mouth's wanting to do some stuff and say stuff. But I am finding through this series that I am stopping in my tracks. And I'm stopping. And I'm remembering the preacher preaching and the scriptures we've been looking at. And I said, I'm going to get my mouth under control. I'm going to get my tongue under control. And, and what I'm not just preaching it to the church, but here's my prayer. May the words of my mouth, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation, what I'm thinking about, may it be pleasing to you, Lord. 
You know, the book of James, in my estimation, in my calculation of reading the Bible, to me the book of James has the longest um, cutout, you might say, or scriptures all in one spot about the tongue. So if you turn to James uh, chapter 3, James chapter 3, James chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 12 or 13. I don't remember how far we're going to go there, but we're going to kind of break it up. I'll be reading out of NLT, but let's take a look at this. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers. You know, sometimes people look up here at the pulpit and say, Oh, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a preacher. Well, the scripture says here, you, you really, not many of you should want to become teachers. Anyone that's a spokesman for the Lord, there's a lot of responsibility. And there's a lot of influence that you're entrusted with, and you have to be careful with that. But he said... Uh, that you shouldn't, uh, not many should want to become teachers in the church, for we who teach are judged more strictly. And I believe the reason we're judged more strictly is because we're using our mouths. We're using our tongues. And a person that can bridle and make their tongue uh, under control, the Bible says he's a perfect man, and we're going to read that in a little bit. But we all struggle with keeping our tongue under control. So when you're preaching the Word and you're leading the Word, there's even a stricter judgment because of that. Indeed, look at this. Indeed, we all make mistakes. How many out here says we make mistakes? Anybody here fail besides me? Anybody done anything wrong? Come on, amen? It says we all make mistakes. We all do. Hey, Scott, we all make mistakes. We all do. Okay? But... but if, but the Bible says we all make mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, I want you to look at that, then we would be perfect and could also control ourselves, I want you to say this, in every other way. Whoa. Wow. That, we got to unpack that. You know, we say, man, we got problems with, with lust of the eye or lust of the flesh or with greed. Or maybe you've got an addiction or a habit or something that's out of control in your life. Maybe eating is out of control or gossip is out. Something's out of control where, where you're like, man, I got a lot of, I, I make a lot of mistakes. I do a lot of things wrong. But then, they, they, but then he says this, you know what? You do make a lot of mistakes, but look at this key. If you could gain control of your tongue, that's what the word says. It says if you could gain control of your tongue... It would help you in all the areas that you feel like you're making a mistake in. That opened my eyes, brothers and sisters. I've been reading this Bible for 30 years. That blew my mind when I read that. I was like, man, if I can get my words and my tongue in line, if I can get this thing, if I can get this thing under control of the Holy Spirit, then it's going to affect everything else that I'm doing in life. Sometimes I think we try to, to take care of all the mistakes and all the failures, but I believe the Word is teaching us. Is anybody with me today? I believe the Word's teaching us, and we got to get it started right here with our mouth. I want to give you four things. Number one, four amazing things about the tongue. The first thing is, it is disproportionately, disproportionately powerful. First of all, the tongue is disproportionately powerful. What do you mean by that? The Bible says in verse 3, we can make a large horse go wherever we want. It, we can turn the whole body. By means of a small bit, 
Now, you guys that aren't country, I'm a country boy. Grew up on a farm. On a farm. Uh, I've actually uh, been involved in breaking one horse with my friend Ted, and I've been around horses. I work for a veterinarian. I know the power of a 1,200-pound animal, and I know the strength of a horse. But a bit is a little bitty piece of metal that's it's about that big around. In fact, the bridle that you see the cowboys hanging on to while they're riding the horse, if a, if a horse is tame, that bridle doesn't even have a bit because that horse is mature and it doesn't need the bit in the mouth anymore. But if you take a wild and uncontrollable horse, you have to get that bit in its mouth. You get that bit in its mouth like a like an ink pen. It's like, ooh, you, you get back in his mouth and then you yank on it. And it, 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 and it puts a, a pain on that horse to where it learns that it's going to be controlled by the rider. So that, that's what the, it says here. It says it, uh, th- there's three analogies here. Number one, it, it, it's like a small horse, a, t- a, 12, a thousand or twelve hundred pure strength power of a horse. A person can control the strength, the speed, and the direction of that horse by the bit in its mouth. And what the Lord is saying, if we can get a bit in our mouth, a little thing, if we can, though the tongue is disproportionately, it's little, but it's a big thing. If we can get the bit in our mouth and God become controlled over our tongues by the bit, then he can control our strength, our power, and our direction. That's what the word's saying. And then it goes on and gives the example of, it gives the example about a, a, a small bit, a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses. Even if the winds are strong, if they're in a storm, uh, the same thing with, with a tongue. It's the same thing. It's a small thing. And then it says, but, but a, tiny small, a tiny spark can even put a whole forest fire, a forest on fire. It's disproportionately small. Think about the rudder of a ship. How many's ever went on a cruise? 4,000 people on a cruise ship, 100 feet wide, 900 feet long. Lord knows how high they are. But think about in proportion to that size of that ship, how big that rudder is. But what that rudder does, and the scripture even says, in the storms of life, in the storms of life, uh, uh, when, when the waves are coming in, anybody that's ever uh, done boating, I remember when we went to Florida and we did some fishing and there was about some uh, four to six foot waves. And it, 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 when we had to c- control that ship, control that boat with that little bitty rudder with these huge waves when we were out in the ocean and we had to control that ship and hit those waves head on. If we didn't, if we hit them sideways, that boat would capsize and turn over. Brothers and sisters, that's the way our tongue is. It helps us to navigate. It helps us to control our ship to where the storms of life don't capsize us. It uses the, and then even in the, even in a, a calm time, if you don't have a rudder, if you're on the, out in the water and you're trying to go to an island, even in a calm time, if you had a sail up and you're letting the wind push in, it's a peaceful day, all right? If you don't have a rudder, you're going to miss the island. You're going to miss the island, and you're still going to end up on the rocks, whether it's a storm or a calm day. How important is the tongue? 
And then it says the tongue, it's like a little fire that can set the whole forest on fire. Me and Carmen, Carmen and I lived in uh, Wyoming for like six years. And I remember one time uh, riding with Larry, my friend, to Laramie. Or actually, we were going to Jackson Hole. And I remember coming up over the hill and everything was just burnt. As far as I could see, all you could see was black stumps. Black stumps. No grass, no trees, no animals, nothing. Just black stumps. And everything was destroyed. And it was just nothing left. And found out, I said, Larry, what happened? He said, Larry, I'll never forget, Larry said this. Some idiot was driving down the road and flicked an ash out. They think flipped an ash out the, the carelessly just flipped a cigarette and an ash fell out and started this whole thing and just burned it all down. That's the same thing. That's what, that is what Paul, that is what James is saying about the tongue. It's little, it's disproportionately, it's very little. But carelessness with our tongue, just flipping a little fire, or camping and not putting your fire out properly. You can't do that in Yellowstone. You've got to put your fire out properly. That little instant of carelessness destroys. Oh, how important words are in, in our tongues. So, so that, that, that's one. I think that's a pretty cool point. One, it's disproportionately powerful. The second thing is it's inherently evil. Everybody say inherently. Inherently evil. The scripture says in James 3, 6, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. But look, it's describing what our tongues are. It, it, it's saying among all... Uh, all the parts of your body, seriously, I was thinking about this. Of all the parts of my body, I'm thinking my arms are pretty important, or my legs are, are pretty important, or, or my face. Oh, baby face has got to be important. Amen. You, you're thinking about everything in your body, that's, the heart. Oh, man, that heart's got to be important. Or, or the liver, that's got to be important. Guys, let this hit you. The Word says that in all the parts of your body, the most important part among all the parts of the body is the tongue. It's a flame of fire. And then it describes it. It's a world of wickedness. The Bible says, in some of your Bibles, it says it's a world of iniquity. It's a world of sin. The tongue. It corrupts. Look at this. It corrupts everything else. You know what? You get a, a little blab, a blabber and a gabber in your church... It affects all stinking thing. You get a little mouth out of control in your home from mama or daddy, it affects your whole house. You get a little wagon mouth at your business that you're trying to be a, have a productive business, you get a little wagger and a little talker, it'll mess up that whole environment. How important the tongue is, brothers and sisters. If I want to blow the trumpet and just say, guys... This little member is so important. Look at this. It, it corrupts the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. You feel like your whole life's on fire? What's going on here? Everything's getting destroyed. All the grass is getting burnt. The animals are running away in my life because of the carelessness of the tongue. 
And then it says this, for it is set on fire by hell. I wanted to do that real bold. It's set in, I want to be a hellfire and brimstone just for a second. It's set on fire by the gates of hell. Glory. No. <laughs> hey, let, let that. <laughs> uh, but, hey, I, I preached in the South. <laughs> I told you I'm a country boy. Amen. Guys, inherently evil means this. We are born with it. You inherit that thing. If you, if you think I'm telling you wrong on this, I want everybody just to flash back to junior high. <laughs> Let's flash back to junior high and see if we're born with it. If there's anything wrong, if there's anything not wrong, if there's anything different about you, if you're a little bit heavier or if you're a little bit skinnier, if you have long hair or if you have short hair, if you're a good athlete or you're not a good athlete, if you're short or you're tall, whatever it is, people are going to make fun of you for that. How many remember junior high? We need to pass the, the tissues out right now. I see some of Oh, Jesus. I, I'm still in therapy. I'm telling you, I'm still in therapy. No, I'm just kidding. But it's inherently. Hey, do you got to teach a child to do right? See, I could have just said your tongue's evil. But I feel like we were supposed to say your tongue is inherently evil. In other words, you were born with it. You inherit it. Amen? You know what we got to do with our tongue? Because we got to change the default. The other day I needed something changed on my computer and I didn't know how to do it. True story. Thank God for Bradens and people. If, if anything, if you ever want to, if you ever get stumped on the computer, just find a millennial. Okay? When, when we were down in, uh, when we were down at, uh, where were we at? In Miami. We were down in Miami, Florida. And anybody ever heard of a, Goober. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> Anybody heard of an Uber? Anybody ever heard of an Uber? My son was like, Dad, you need to get an Uber. Uber? Uh, we need one of them. You, you need to get an Uber. And and we was he's like, do this and this and this to your phone and hit this and download that and Go to this part and this and that. And me and my wife were going. <laughs> and finally, true story. Finally my, finally, my son said, Jordan, he's in Sweden. Finally, my son, uh, my son said, Mom, is there anybody young there? <laughs> is there a millennial there? And there was this guy named, what was his name? Marcus. We say, Marcus, and Jordan says, is there a millennial there? And, and we say, Marcus, are you a millennial? Yeah. Here, fix our phone. And we had an Uber like in two seconds. Anyway, I have no idea how we got there. Oh, you got to change the default. Guys, we got to change the default on our tongues. Here's number three. I want you to really notice how we talk about the tongue. It says the tongue is, everybody say, humanly. Untamable. See, I could have just said the tongue's untamable. The tongue is untamable. I, I could have said that. You know what? Your tongue is untamable. Untamable. But I want you to know today that the, 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 here's the bad news. 
No one's able to tame their own tongue. It's humanly untamable. But here's the good news. It may be humanly untamable, but it's divinely tameable. And the one who made it can tame it. Are you all with me? The one who made it can tame it. It is humanly impossible for you to tame, to, to you, for you to tame your tongue. But it's just right for God. Amen. I'll, I'll never forget Exodus 4, 10. When I became a preacher, this was kind of Moses' call. In Exodus 4, 10, it says, Moses said to the Lord, Oh my God, I'm not eloquent. I'm not good with words. Neither before nor since you've spoken to your servant. I remember saying that to the Lord. I said, do you know when I was a, a heathen, a, a lost person? I was terrible. I could start naming people that could just throttle you with words. I'm thinking of a guy named, I better not say his name, he may, may listen to the podcast. But I started thinking about people, there, there's people that would talk, they could talk circles around me and I'd be like, yeah, and look like a, 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 a dummy. So I had a philosophy, I, I never told you I was going to hit you in the face. <laughs> I just smacked you in your face before you even thought about it. Everybody, I'm going to do this to you, and I'm going to, oh, I'm going to kill you, or I'm going to this. You guys know how it's like. I never said a word. I just did it. Not good, not good, not good. But really, this is what Moses is saying. The reason I bring that up is because God is so cool. God, God is so awesome, He keeps it real with us. To where He put in that Bible, how many know that every detail is important? He put in that Bible, Moses said, you know, God, before I knew you, I wasn't good with my tongue. I'm sitting here telling you, before I knew God, I wasn't good with a tongue. I did it was good with ease. All right? And then He said, and now after I know you, I still aren't, ain't good with this. Alright? I need some help, Lord. I remember having that talk with God. I remember having this. And he brought me, I, I said, Lord, I, I, um, I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. So the Lord said to them, who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? Look at verse, it says, have I not the Lord? Now therefore go... And I will, everybody say, be with your mouth. The Lord says, now now go, and I will be with your mouth. Brian, now go, Church on the Rock, today, we're going to go out of here, and everybody say, God is going to be with your mouth. It's divinely tameable. Amen. Hey, that's better preaching than your amen. That's better preaching than your amen. God can tame that tongue. He can teach you what to say. You know something that's very controversial in the body of Christ? But I think it's very interesting. The evidence of complete control of the tongue and the divine complete control of the tongue is in the Bible. It's in Acts chapter 2. Isn't it interesting that when the Holy Spirit fell and came and filled believers in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, back in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would just come on an individual, like a Samson or a, 
or a, a David. The Spirit would come individually. The difference with New Testament is now the Holy Spirit comes upon everybody. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people and they could talk good or they could do things with their mouth. It was under the control of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that the very first thing that you read about when the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts chapter 2, it says that the Holy Spirit came and filled the whole place and it filled all of them that were present and it says, and they all began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. To me, I think, I think when a person prays in their prayer language, or prays in the Spirit, to me it's a perfect prayer where your tongue is 100%, 100% under the control of the Holy Spirit. And I think there's firm grounds in Scripture to say that with boldness. Uh, another one is, the Bible even says when you don't know how to pray. In Romans chapter 8, it says when you don't know how to pray and you don't know what to say and you don't... Did, did you know, thank God, He doesn't answer some of our prayers. Because a lot of the prayers we make aren't the right prayers, quite frankly. And so when you don't know how to pray, the Scripture says that the Holy Spirit will fill you and He will pray that perfect prayer. That's a, so I think what God's saying is that the way that you divinely tame your tongue is submitting your tongue to the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about speaking in tongues that now. I'm talking about just submitting your speech. Hey, is there anything wrong with submit or yielding? Every day, get up. Here's application. I'm doing it. You can do it. I, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yuns need to do it too. Every day, just say, Lord, I'm submitting my tongue to you. I'm going to use my tongue to bless and not curse. I'm going to use my tongue to speak life, not death. I'm going to use my tongue to be fruitful. You know what? That's hard. You know that's hard. Are you all with me today? Our dog, when people walk by our house, I finally got her broke from barking at the squirrels. But when people walk by, we sit outside every morning at 6 o'clock, Carmen and I do, and we have coffee and we read the Word and pray. But when dogs walk by, I'll be going like this. Gracie will go, and I'll be, it's right. And her hair stands up on her back. And then she moves to the window and she she wants to bark so bad, but she knows I'm going to knock her head off if she does. Trust me, I'm all below no go. I've fed that dog so many stacks through the winter. She's as big as a pot belly pie, pig. Right, we got to put our dog on a diet. And then the dog will be by, and I think I won the race. I think I won the battle because I think it's over. And then she'll go, whoa. And then she runs. All right? That's what God brought that to my mind. How many know God laughs with you? 
God brought that to my mind. He said, Brian, you're just like that dog, more than looks. No. <laughs> he said, you're just like that dog. You're like, oh, Lord. Even with my wife, the Lord's saying, you can't even do it with your wife. You can't. Even when I get with my best friend and I'm like, oh, I want to say this about John. Even with what happened with, the, I want to tell you how disciplined I'm getting on this. Even with what's going on with Fox News and Bill O'Reilly, the Lord won't let me talk about it to people. Hey, did you hear about Bill O'Reilly? What do you think about that? He's not letting me do that. He's just not letting me do that. I mean, if you want to do it, go for it, but I wouldn't. He's not letting me do it. He's not letting me do it. He's not letting me, when I'm not feeling good, he's not letting me say, I'm not feeling good. He's letting me say, I'm healed. When when I'm feeling weak, he's not letting me say how weak I am. He's saying, I want you to say how strong you are in me. Amen? The other day, I, I had a lot of stuff going on that I was a little bit anxious about. And I had just put on the armor of God, the helmet. I put on the armor every day. And I said, Lord, my feet are shod with the preparation of readiness. And I always picture when I'm finishing prayer that loins girded with truth. I always picture, um, I love doing the Lord's Prayer on the treadmill because I'm usually about done after an hour and that's towards the end. And, And I love thinking about girding my loins and that makes me really kick the treadmill up where I'm really running fast. I'm like, Lord, I'm running to the battle. My feet are shod with readiness. Well, the other day I was like, I ain't running to the battle, Lord. I don't like what I got to do today. I don't like what I got to tell some people. I don't like some things I got to address. I don't like some correction I got to do in the body. And I was dragging my feet and I was getting anxious. And I, it just just popped out of my mouth. I said, Lord, my feet are shod with, this may not do nothing for you, but it done something for me. I'm simple. He said, my feet are shod with readiness, not dreadiness. My feet are ready, not dreading. My feet are ready, not dreading the day. My feet are ready, not dreading that appointment. My feet are ready, not dreading that situation I got to deal with. That's what God, God wants us to be bold, guys, and confident in Him. And then the last thing it says, the tongue is contrastingly productive. You know, I could have said the tongue is powerful, but I said the tongue is disproportionately powerful. I could have said the tongue's evil, I said it's inherently evil. I could have said the tongue's untamable, I said it's humanly untamable. We see bad, bad, bad about the tongue. But I want to tell you the tongue is contrastingly productive. You can use your tongue to edify, to build up. You can steer your tongue where you are going in the right direction, where you're not capsizing, where you get your strength under the control of the Holy Spirit, and you release. You know what words of life are? You release His Word. And you come in alignment and agreement with what His words, and those things are what's coming out of your mouth. 
Not what you're seeing, not what you're feeling. When I come in and pray about things in the church I'm wanting to see change, I pray as though it is. Are you all with me today? I think that's good preaching. I think it's very things we need. I want to read in the Message Bible. Um, here's, here's the thought I want to leave you with while the praise team's coming. Is the thing about the tongue that's different. Hey guys, everything produces after itself. An apple tree can't produce an orange tree. An orange tree can't produce an apple tree. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is pretty interesting. The tongue is one of the few things that can do both. Most of the time it produces after its own. The tongue can do both. The tongue can do good. It can do evil. It can do poison. It can do fruit. It can do both. And then Paul go, James goes in there and says, How do you guys do this? How do you keep on talking like you are? How do you keep doing? How do you keep cursing people? You, you come and bless me with your hands. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you. But you curse people? They're made in my image? How do you do this, he said. How can you do this? It's because the tongue can do both. The tongue can do both. You know what changes the tongue? The heart. The heart. When you get a heart for God, when you love God with all of your heart and every bit of your being, and you begin to love people, like Jesus loves people, then out of the abundance of that heart, your mouth will speak. You know what? Some of you, the Lord told me this. I'm not going to read the message Bible. You guys got the message. The Lord told me this. He said, Brian, some people are trying to humanly tame their tongue, but their hearts aren't right with me. Listen to me. Uh, turn one more light back on if you don't care. I like being able to see the congregation just for a minute. Yep. Thank you. You're doing your job and you're doing it like you were trained. Thank you. I just kind of change it for a minute. I like to look at people's faces. Right, give me one more light. Because the, 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 the eyes are the light of the soul. I can see in your hearts when I see your faces. But you know what? Some of you are trying to live for God. But you're not. It's humanly impossible. You, you can't fix your life up. You can't clean it up and just will it to be better. You have to give your heart to Jesus. And He takes the old heart out and He puts a new heart inside of you. I feel this today that people need a new heart. And that's what we call salvation. And guys, I'm telling you, salvation is not some little prayer you just repeat and, and go to some class and learn about. It is something you experience. God takes the old heart out and He puts His heart in you. It is supernatural. And the reason some of you can't get traction in your faith walks and you're, you can't seem to get it going is you really never had a heart transplant. And you need that today. Every head bowed, eyes closed. The ones that prayed at while ago in the beginning of, your, of this service, where God said, I want all of your heart. 
I want all of your heart. Where he said, um, I want you to say, Lord, you have my heart. I don't want this world anymore. I don't want my way anymore. All I want is you, Lord. The Lord said, okay, if that's true, if you draw near to me, I promise I'll draw near to you. And I'll fill the space in your heart. If you prayed that prayer, I felt God say to me this morning early that the people that really prayed that prayer, and and this has been happening with some of you for two or three weeks where you've been thinking about being a Christian. In fact, maybe you became a Christian and you didn't let anybody know about it yet. Today you need to let the church know. You need to let me know, and you need God knows, but you need to make that public profession of your faith. And I felt like the Lord said that you're not going to be able to be bold outside of this church if you can't be bold for Him in the church. If God doesn't have all your heart, and you gave it to Him this morning, I want you to stand to your feet and come forward right, right now. We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.